0: It's Wednesday, June 7th. This is Accelerate Daily. Today we've got look at the possibility of Apple's Vision Pro reading your mind. Sam Altman argues that open AI should remain public so it can get strange. Google is dropping free knowledge about how to use AI. We've got a prompt engineering workshop looking at the use of personas to juice your LLM outputs. Get your hand away from that abort button. Time for Accelerate Daily. Zero and liftoff. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Adam.
1: I'm McKenzie. Good morning.
0: And we're back with three headlines and one how-to to keep you caught up on what's happening in AI acceleration today.
1: Mac, what are we looking at for today's AI image of the day? That is a Valkyrie shopping. And <laughs> what, what do you call these? A CVS in America? Looks like a uh, hobby lobby. Market. Hobby it's lobby. A hobby lobby. This is
0: uh, again from our slash mid-journey. We need to talk about what's going on at Hobby Lobby. Won't someone please think of the children? This is a series of images generated where uh, with with generally demonic things showing up in the aisles of Hobby <laughs> Lobby, which for anyone lacking the context is a US company that went to the mat to protect their right to not cover contraception for their their they're very Christian <laughs> <laughs> um, to the point that they went to the Supreme Court to get a religious exemption from paying for uh, birth control pills under their insurance plan. Anyway, it's a better example, though, of the extent to which these are convincing images that could raise a furor about, what's Hobby Lobby doing?
1: Yeah. What are all these Satans doing in the, there?
0: What are all these Satans doing in your your otherwise publicly pious stores? <laughs> <laughs> Less silly than some of our other options, but I like to flag stuff that's, uh, you know, can get misinformation
1: yeah, this is what states are talking about when they're talking about misinformation. This, they are really convincing. They look like they might actually be there.
0: Yeah, uh, you could see this sitting inside of an article that says, could you believe that Hobby Lobby did this? And yeah. then the right type of person going, I can't at all. This is my whole personality now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, so a lot of people are going to have to pick up the personality trait of like floating through life, wondering if they're being punked 24-7. Um, which I think most people just don't have the background to to execute that skill very well. So marking these things is going to go a long way.
0: It's probably fair. I mean, that's kind of what we're after after when we talk about reading comprehension and media literacy. Yeah. It it breaks the brains of people who grew up with the idea that you could trust a camera.
1: Well, yeah, ideally, like most people not being media literate is like a good way to have social cohesion. So just give them, uh, what are they called, in bowling, the bumper rails, right? Don't make Mm -hmm. it too complicated.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, Uh, before we jump into today's topics, a reminder to like and subscribe wherever you're watching slash listening. Throw in a comment, write a review. These all help us reach you again, but also help us reach uh, more people in the algorithm so we can make this uh, uh, more of a two-way conversation. The reason this ended up being a daily show is because everything's happening so fast that it wasn't worth it to do a roundup at the end of the week. Similarly, we need to know what questions you all have as listeners and people engaging with the show so we can... Keep diving into that stuff and we can all accelerate forward, get better at building with AI. Totally. Okay, yeah, let's jump into the topics. First up, can Apple's Vision Pro read your mind? This is a tweet thread from a fellow named Sterling Crispin, who I have at least verified that he had these jobs. Otherwise, it's not someone that I know. Uh, it's just has been making the rounds. He's a, a scientist worked up until a few years ago on aspects of the interface layer for the vision pro we talked specifically about some of the specs yesterday and the the compute power that actually lives on the device so check out yesterday's episode for some more of that stuff and some links to some roundups that are kind of hey, here's what's happening this one i wanted to jump right in the weeds of okay it gets weird as soon as you have that sort of compute power and these this this sort of this interface device where they can tell where your eyes are moving. Uh, and that's what this thread is about, the work that they did internally around these input mechanisms. and
1: So specifically, they've built, a looks like an ML model that predicts clicks because the Vision Pro is meant to be um, peripheral-less, no mice. Lookmon, no mice. Look Lookmon, no keyboard. Okay, So one of the ways that they figure out if you want to click on something is by tracking pupil dilation. Because when you click on an icon on a computer, turns out your pupil dilates at the moment of click because you're expecting the screen to change. So it gets a little bit bigger, so you can take in the new information that you expect coming your way. So part of indicating that you're clicking is that your, your pupil dilates. So they watch for that. And then because the display has a 12 millisecond refresh rate, before you could blink, in like half the time of a human blink, after your pupil starts dilating, that program is open there's other gestures to confirm that that's what's happening but they start like preloading the new program based on eye activity
0: i wanted to call this one out because it's right at that edge of like the reason that it exists as a tweet thread and gets traction over there is cuz it's it's that level of crazy but it's for sure real i haven't seen a lot of like using eye motion for this kind of stuff but i've read studies before on they they can strap something to your throat electrodes essentially and then pick up the electrical signal intended to go to your vocal cords. And then you can think about words and move a mouse around the world. So this is for sure real. And and if nothing else, it lets me use a crazy ass headline about mind reading. But like <laughs> we're kind of at that point where there's there's a lot of interesting conversations to have with this VR stuff. But also, like you said, ML models that are at play. And you're talking about how do your eyes behave and like weird things, right? Like, I I can see how this would get to a health app that could say, look, we're strapped to your face a good percentage of the day. We're
1: 100% sure you have ADD because of how your eyes behave. (laughs) Well, yeah, let's get into the other, let's get into the other patent, which tinfoil hatters are going to love. They want to know your mood. They want to know like your cognitive state. And these are for things that are good, like understanding if you're relaxed, if you're trying to use a relaxation app, or if you're excited, if you're doing something exciting like a video game, or if you're learning, if you're using an education app, and the way that they decided to track that information is subliminal images to check congruency. They'll show you relaxing images. And if your reaction to the subliminal, like you, like, it's happening so fast that you can't detect it, it doesn't interrupt the experience. Your reaction to the subliminal imagery shows congruency with clip tags on that imagery. So by... MK altering you, right? Like showing you literally subliminal messaging. Uh, They're able to determine what kind of brain activity you're having. And based on that data, they're able to change the environment that you're experiencing in VR to promote that state that you're desiring. They've explicitly desired further. There's no way that they're going to like gear up the fear knob when you're reading news. You know what I mean? There's no, like it's only ever going to be user input. There's no way that they're ever going to give you different emotions than what you asked for.
0: That's both crazy and, like I said, gets that black mirror place, which is why I threw it out. But at the same time, I don't mind. If I can take it off, as, as device makers go, what Apple has done so far really effectively is telegraph that they care about giving me that dial. And I can turn that dial to like, hey, just stop feeding me the news that you can tell from my, my eye behavior makes me unhappy. Cause man, when I try to do it like consciously, I am bad at not checking I'm bad at not checking Twitter for outrage yeah. for the outrage machine that in the end is like probably why I have cortisol and like heart problems.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of those questions that were coming up at Congress about like eye tracking weren't true about the iPhone, but they're gonna be true about this. Yeah.
0: They have to be. That's the interface layer. Yeah. Like on some level, they have to do this. Anyway, Vision Pro, big deal. Josh says, I always had an idea for a VR product that worked while you sleep. I wonder if mind reading is the way there. I used like a, a sleep tracking headband for a while that had that kind of stuff on it, where again, you can get input, like they can read your brain waves while you're asleep. The thing that I think is harder is imagery is a really good way to put data into your brain through your eyes. But if your eyes are closed, not so good at beaming things into your brain while you sleep. But that's uh, the kind of thing that Neuralink is trying to solve if you want to go get a chip (laughs) put in your brain. (laughs) Okay. Bloomberg reporting, ChatGPT maker OpenAI is staying private so it can make, quote, strange decisions. Sam Altman has said that he's not interested in taking the startup public because he wants to maintain full control over the technology as it becomes more powerful. I can see the argument for this, but at the same time, flies in the face of some of the stuff he has to say on podcasts around the idea that like government should have done this. One of the things that he has said that I appreciate is formerly projects this big were done by governments. The Manhattan Project for the nuclear bomb, NASA getting people to the moon, like those are public by nature products, which means a level of oversight. The problem with the private public thing when you're talking about companies and this kind of stuff is like, what he's saying here is he doesn't want to deal with the inherent oversight where you go public. Going public means you are allowed to raise a certain amount of money from your average person, but you subject yourself to a certain level of
1: oversight or at least transparency. He, has, he would have additional responsibilities that might conflict with things that he has to do. So, which it's
0: fair. Like, I, I don't want to deal with that either.
1: <laughs> exploring the space here. So an example of something that might seem strange to an investor is turning the company off and saying, hey, guys, we can't solve alignment. Let's stop. You can't do that if you're public. You would never, ever, ever be able to do that. You would have to get your hands away from the afford Yeah, you'd get sued forever. by shareholders yeah. you know, for, for breaching your fiduciary duty to make more money.
0: Even if it's the right thing to do. So there are very real reasons to do this or to talk about it this way. At the same time, it, it's this. It feels like this constant back and forth as you watch the leaders of these companies try to reconcile the aspects of this. Like what you're talking about is a very real AI safety reason to maintain a structure where the switch can be flipped off faster if we have rampant unsafe acceleration. Google and Microsoft, Google is a public company. Yeah. So they're going to have this conflict of interest where some shareholders might stand up and go, Yes, but you could be making X amount more if you did this thing that might destroy humanity. And your fiduciary duty, at least in the US, corporate sort of model and the way that the courts have treated it most recently is just to make money for the shareholders.
1: I'm throwing a flag on that one, Adam. I'm I'm curious because I know that uh, Google restructured from just like Google search to Alphabet. Now they have like some private companies under their purview. And I wonder if like the operations are these private companies for similar reasons. Yeah, you could structure it in ways that would protect you from that. But in terms,
0: I thought you're gonna throw a flag on the legal side, which is like, no, that is the regime currently. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's wrong from a, legal scholar standpoint, but it's where we stand in terms of the decisions of the Supreme Court and their yeah their take on the fiduciary duty to the shareholders.
1: I don't want to be like recommending any kind of financial stuff, but just to elucidate um, just the market, like if you wanted exposure, if I wanted exposure, this is what I would do. Uh, I would go with NVIDIA and probably Facebook because the Facebook science team is really good at uh, implementations. They invented like tool formers and they're doing multimodal. So... Even Like, sad, so sad that you can't buy OpenAI. That's what I would prefer to buy. But these are the other, like, it's not impossible to get exposed. And I do understand Aldman's take on this aspect. I just love that they said
0: strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets strange. <laughs> Next up, we got another tweet thread that lays out a bunch of stuff because it's a good summary. But you can find this anywhere if you Google or follow the links in the tweets. The lead tweet says, Google just dropped a 100% free learning path on generative AI with nine different courses. Intro to Gen AI, Intro to LLMs, Intro to Responsible AI, Intro to Image Generation, Encoder Decoder, Attention Mechanism, Transformers, Invert, Image
1: Captioning, Gen AI Studio. Those are the courses. There's an additional quest at the end. I'm not sure quite what a quest is, but I think that it's like like a project-based learning.
0: Yeah, this one goes with our stuff from yesterday, ChatGPT's. Uh, or, or OpenAI's, you know, tips on how to use ChatGPT. It's exciting to me to see this back and forth. There's this new emergent thing. It behooves them to help you understand how to use the tools. And so they are going to be publishing things to help use the tools. The other cool thing here is Google, I think this aligns to Google's like certification learning path stuff. So if you do enough of this stuff, you'll end up with a cert that Google will recognize. In lieu of a diploma,
1: in many cases, if you're trying to work for Google. Josh says he's got to check it out to brush up his Gen AI skills. I think that it's so new that everyone has this feeling of like, I don't know enough. And so when these things come up, there's, I don't know, like as a software developer, there's something that we're all familiar with in our industry called tutorial health, where like just one more tutorial, one, one more example, one more like demo project will get me there. It'll break me into the industry. And it never really does. So yeah, it's worth it to like brush up on your skills, but start building. Before it's too late, right? Like, take the, don't spend all this time like just on courses. Start making stuff as soon as you can.
0: Yeah, I I had a funny. I was uh, searching for a CTO at one point, and I brought in a friend of mine. And as we were going through the process, I said, "Look, I've worked with you. I trust you, but I got to run everybody through the process. We're going to do this test." And the guy's answer was like, "Look, I, I, we're going to do a." I said, "We're going to do a coding test." His answer was, "Hey, I don't mind you watching me Google stuff." <laughs> and like to be completely honest, that's the right answer in some context when you're talking about building an app. Especially at the time it was a crypto company, so like I know he's not going to know how to do a bunch of smart contract things yet. There's a very rarefied set of people that knew how to do that four or five years ago. The right answer, right? You just you just you have to start building and just knowing how to do stuff. And like I said, the reason this project, this podcast is daily, is because like I don't know either. <laughs> it was partially a forcing function for me to learn the same stuff so and yeah check out these courses
1: brings us to uh, the workshop we're going to spend the next while going through the guide from OpenAI on maximizing your effectiveness using those systems and today we're going to talk about identity so Adam did you have any preconceptions or like questions about this before we dove in
0: we covered it a little bit previously. We called it role-playing, but I like the idea of redoing it talking about personas because that's sort of the way that OpenAI is looking at it. So it means the places where you plug in, they're going to be asking about identities and personas and not, what do you, would you like me to role-play as? But yeah, to, to maybe start from just reading the snippet from the documentation as a tactic. It says, ask the model to adopt a persona. System message can be used to specify the persona used by the model in its replies. You pulled up a bunch of hilarious examples of this, but this goes to a thing that it's, a, it's an interesting shift in how we think about using these tools, because if you're used to search engines, you previously would just type in your question, and then from there they would figure it out. Here, you're getting into that space where what we're used to is society through jobs and roles handling the part where an agent is involved with this. So you don't go to a lawyer and then say, "Okay, I need to answer, yeah, I need you to answer this question as a lawyer." But if you're talking to a generalized AI, you need to be that specific because it's it's not going to know how to answer your question if you don't say, "You're the world's best trial lawyer, write me an opening statement for the these details of the case." And if you just ask it to do that, you're going to get this weird conglomeration of things that don't fit an actual opening statement and are instead made of like movie scripts and and, you know, generalized knowledge and an effort to answer your question. But you can also get weird with it, which is the stuff that that you've got screenshots for. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know how you want to share those. Uh, I guess they're going into show notes for the podcast. And... Someday we'll
0: put them in show notes. Yeah. Okay. So we got to do word pictures on this one for the podcast listeners. But for the people in the show notes or the live stream, we actually have the screenshots from from Mac um in gpt boss or chat gpt i guess running running through persona work
1: mhm yeah so um this is a chat this is from gpt boss which is a site that i created and the reason that i that app that i made is just the idea of like prompt management the thing that it fixes for you is prompt management for business activities um so if you haven't heard of it yet there's like 74 ai employees and when people hear ai employee they're like oh it automates work for me so i could just assign work like in a ops management way, and then it gets done. It's not really like that. It's just different identities that help you understand the different roles and then can also do some of that work for you. So this screenshot is talking to the copywriter, right? There's one copywriter in the website. And what that does when we say, you're a copywriter, you work for my company, this is what my company does. Setting that in the system message accesses a different latent space. So when we're running through some of these examples, every time that he's doing it, he's doing it just as a professional copywriter. So there's a couple of connotations around that, like professional copywriter. It's kind of like a dry, boring, you know what I mean? Like you just got to be straight ahead, straight arrow, corporate kind of drone vibe. Um, And that's what we see in this example. Uh, There's another feature that we're showing here, which is like link reading, but it's to a link on my website. So, you know, don't take my word for it. Try it out yourself eventually. Uh, But we could see that like, boom, the link goes in. And then there's two like system messages that happen every time you pass a link. But then the third like paragraph starts the response from GPT-4. So could you summarize this page turns into, uh, yeah, absolutely. And then there's this kind of like dry professional summary of what this service is, including pricing and uh, follow up and how there's a fact section, and you could get some of that information. Uh, So the next slide is, uh, could you summarize this page in a language that Dan Kennedy would use? If you're not familiar with Dan Kennedy, he's kind of like a carnival barker copywriter. Um, So we see when this stuff comes in, the language is a lot different, but it still hits all of the but like professional requirements of being a copywriter, right? This is summarized as a copywriter would, but it's summarized as a copywriter who's channeling spiritually Dan Kennedy. And so I think that this is a really good strategy. I think that like GPT boss or chat, GPT users should be doing this. I love Dan Kennedy. I think that his stuff is engaging and it just makes the most sense in my mind. I think he's the best copywriter ever. Um, So if you had to pick one guy to channel from the dead forever and ever, Dan Kennedy would be a good one. But as we continue on, I have some more creative examples of the same kind of activity.
0: For people not looking at the screenshots, the first one says, introducing just-in-time content. The next one says, discover the ultimate content solution. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) right. Like, there's there's, a difference here. And Personas is a... More stylized and complete way to jump straight to no. I needed to have this vibe with if you don't necessarily even have the work the language to say no. I need it more excited. I need more emojis. I need it blah blah blah.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. Um. So it, yeah, in the previous paragraph, it says this is a product that solves uh, issues with long sales cycle times, and then in the Dan Kennedy one. Um, just time content, the breakthrough service from GPT Boss designed to give your sales and marketing efforts, the rocket fuel they need to skyrocket your results and trim those sales cycles down, hourglass emoji chart, increasing in value emoji. And then a couple more examples. There's Don Draper, which like pulls it back. Of course, this is a fictional character and it's very like 50s show baby kind of vibe. And then the final one, I don't think I sent this one to you, Kirk, but I did it again with Patrick Starr from Spongebob SquarePants. We got you have that We one? got
0: Don Draper. Yeah. which says introducing gpt bosses just in time content a game changing solution to elevate your brand's presence yeah so it's still it's
1: like it's hype it's hype but it's way more refined sophisticated right exactly yeah um so that's that's identity priming through chat you're able to like select a celebrity the fictional or otherwise and because that's in the latent space the agent has access to that but because we're using the copywriter we're not missing things. Like if we were using an AI, the AI would be like, "I'm just an AI. I don't know about human psychology. I don't need to do this properly. It can just do this is what Don Draper would say." And and maybe it would use the wrong parts of Don Draper's personality right. to get this done.
0: And you're doing this essentially through prompt injection, right? Like like GPT boss adds some stuff into the flow that makes sure that it comes out this right way because it knows that you've selected this tool, you want a subset of things that like there's persona-ness in there also that mm-hmm is layered on top of the stuff you're talking about here.
1: Yeah. So rather than an an AI pretending to be a copywriter, GPT Boss goes one step further. It's an AI that is a copywriter that's pretending to be Don Draper. Right.
0: And then the next one you've got, you start running through
1: some, we've got uh, third grade, fifth grade. So the tools, the content spinner for third grade, fifth grade, and the luxury brand, I'm not sure if I sent everything in, But these are examples of using this programmatically. So I added the tools to GPT Boss for when somebody doesn't want to do this kind of prompt engineering. They don't want to type out the word. Could you rewrite this into a third grade reading level? Because that does take some time. They could just click a button and then paste the content that they want rewritten. So an example of this is that Don Draper thing that we were just looking at. Uh, Let me compare. The Don Draper introduction was introducing GPT Boss's just-in-time content, a game-changing solution to elevate your brand's presence. And then at the Third grade level, we have meet GPT Boss's cool new tool. Just-in-time content to make your brand shine. Star emoji. So it almost sounds like a children's book. And that's kind of the idea here. The purpose, by the way, of the third grade content spinner is to identify basically logic errors. It reduces the language complexity so you can't hide behind like verbal ambiguity. Right.
0: Yeah, it's not about the idea of now you're going to sell this to third graders. It's about like a third grade level is a good way to flag a certain complexity of communication that for certain contexts like that's how I would look at it as well right like mm-hmm. look this is copy for a brochure people are going to look at it quickly on a train you can't be more complex than X thing right yeah and and aligning to education levels is a good way to do that that exactly
1: is, is good at so and then the next step and we don't have a screenshot for this because it doesn't make a ton of sense in a screenshot but if you have for example a manuscript or if you have like a backlog of blog content, say that you've been like running a blog for the past 10 years and you're a subject matter expert in something complicated like chiropractic accident recovery techniques. You could run through programmatically that backlog through a prompt like this, through your fifth grade content spinner, rewrite all of your blog stuff to remove the curse of knowledge that you as the chiropractic expert suffer. That's just one specific example, but I hope that you can see the potential of this across domains and from now into the future. It could be a filter on your WordPress blogging. You could just set this up inside of WordPress so that everything that you push to publish gets rewritten into a fifth grade level so that you're not alienating ESL readers.
0: Right. Super cool. Okay, that's Accelerate Daily for today. Like I said at the top, if you got something out of this, like, subscribe, even write a review. Those metrics really do make a difference when it comes to reaching more people working on the future of AI like we are and and really helps us surface questions for like the previous stuff. We can, we'll retread this stuff over and over again if, if it's helpful to understand what's going on. If you can make the schedule work, jump in the live stream. Uh, that's one of the best ways to interact with us on this stuff. Thanks again, everyone for joining us. This has been Accelerate Daily. I'm Adam. I'm Mackenzie. Take it easy, everybody. LRA Daily is produced by Adam Kerpelman and Mackenzie Bowes and edited by Steve Koch. The opinions expressed herein do not represent the official opinion of Mission Control. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.